On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about some very basic concepts of parenting. We're going to start with the very fundamentals. I think parenting's a really tough job. Parents have got their hands full. Uh, unfortunately, I think some are just sort of blindly going along without realizing the significance of the responsibility they have. We want to talk about that tonight. It's going to be a good discussion. You'll want to be a part of it, and we're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October eleventh, two 2018. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me tonight. Jacob, great to be with you. Good to be with you. Kyle's back uh, tonight. Kyle, welcome back. Liking, so, this, yep, good liking this trend. It's working out pretty good. And glad you're on the other end of the line. We hope that you will comment tonight, uh, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com or in the chat room. Uh, we want to hear from you on the program. We really think our program is the best when it's we better. get listener participation. Yeah, that's so. probably because when others are talking, we're not. That's right. We need to hear from you. So All right. Let us know. Um, we got some. Uh, you got to announce uh, something coming up here. Yeah, we got. I want to give you a, a, a heads up about an event here at College View Church of Christ. In Columbia, Tennessee, we're going to have our gospel meeting. We have a gospel meeting this time every fall. And what we do typically is invite various preachers from our area to come and, and speak to us. I always tell the preachers, bring the lesson you like to preach the best. And so we, hopefully we, we get to hear their, their very top-notch sermons. we got a good list of, of preachers who are coming. Sunday, we'll have our regular morning services at 9.30 and 10.30. We'll have an af- uh, we'll move our evening service until mid-afternoon at 2.30. And on Sunday, Caleb Ray, who preaches for the Rock Church in Dixon County, will be speaking to us. Monday night, Steve Klein from Athens, Alabama, will be speaking to us. Tuesday night, John Gibson, who's also from the Athens, Huntsville area. I'm not exactly sure what he, where he, his address is, but he's North Alabama. John Gibson, really good gospel preacher. Wednesday night, Jeff Smith, who's from Athens, Alabama. Uh, so we got a strong Alabama contingent Hope that of preachers coming out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thursday night, Jim Michaels from, uh, Lewisburg, Tennessee. And then on Friday night, Jim Deason's going to come all the way from Coleman, Alabama. But it's not going to be a preaching service. It's going to be a singing. Jim is a very uh, accomplished song leader, and he's led singings for us before here at College U. So the last night of our meeting, Friday night, October the 26th, will be a a singing. All right. Uh, So if you're anywhere within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we hope you'll come to one or more of those assemblies. Again, it starts on Sunday the 21st of October and runs through Friday night the 26th. Uh, that's not this Sunday, but a week from Sunday is when it begins. And you mentioned that Caleb Ray is from the Rock Church in Dixon. That's the name of the church 
like yeah. you'd call college you church of christ it's not like a community church like the he's, rock from the rock church church, or, he's from the rock church or, of christ actually the reason why it's called the rock church of christ is because it's made out of rocks the building's made it's, out it's, of rock. a, it's an ancient old building and it was actually a, a an ammunition armory built by montgomery bell uh, who was a revolutionary war soldier or maybe it was eight, War of 1812. Maybe it was. Maybe he was in the War of 1812. A long time ago. It was a long, long time, time ago. ago war. But it's a it's a really neat old building, and they call it the Rock Church. It's the uh, it's the Church of Christ that meets in that building. All right. Uh, well, look forward to that, and you want to be a part of it if you're anywhere near Columbia, Tennessee. And you can find out more about it on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Um, and if you got questions, send us an email. Yeah, and, and it's on our it's, it's on our collegeview.com homepage. If you go there, you can get all the details. Yeah, and again, we'd like for you to come and join us. It should be a very good... Actually, you know what? I just remind me. It's not on our homepage well, yet. It will be. It will be tomorrow, Lord willing. Lord willing, okay. All right, end of the top... Oh, and bumper stickers. Don't always forget get, the bumper stickers. You can always get your bumper stickers. Somebody was just telling me recently, they were in a parking lot, and they noticed someone who was looking right down the, at the back of their car, writing something down. They thought maybe... They, been a wreck or something, and they got there, and the person was writing down the information off their bumper sticker for the Kyle, for the virtual Bible study. Kyle's got a new vehicle. You're rocking it with a bumper sticker on the back of yours, there, Kyle. Oh, that's like that's the first thing you put on the vehicle. Get uh, a new one. You got, put that you got it. Okay, got to have it accessorized. All right. All right. So our topic for tonight, we're going to talk about parenting basics. We put out an email earlier today to our update list to tell you what we're talking about, give you some questions to be considering, and maybe even send in your answers. We uh, we like to do that on Thursday midday, and if you're not getting those updates, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. So the questions we asked today were these. Comment on the fact that parents have a duty of stewardship in regards to their children. That's an interesting concept. Number two, describe the responsibilities of parents in regards to physical care and in regards to spiritual training. Number three, in judgment, how will God deal with parents concerning the job they've done raising their children? Number four, are parents always responsible if children grow up to be unfaithful to the Lord? And we ask for specific comments on Proverbs 22, verse 6. And then finally, name some Bible characters who were good parents. Name some Bible characters who were bad parents. Okay. That's uh, how we hope to go about it tonight. It's going to be an important discussion. 877-381-4567. I came across some statistics, Jacob, and these are kind of old statistics. I've had these in my file for a while, and I was trying to see if I got a date on it, but it, it goes back a ways. So these these stats are, are dated and is probably way worse than this now, but listen to these stats. By age of 18, the typical child has seen 200,000 violent acts and 16,000 murders on television. That's worth repeating. Yeah, 200,000 violent acts and 16,000 murders on television. They've they've seen that. Now, that's because of television. Yeah. If it weren't for television, they wouldn't have yeah, seen I mean, any. If, you, if your kid saw one without television, you'd be moving. Yeah. And you're letting them sit in front of it and watch 200,000 violent acts? Yeah. Yeah. Ninety percent of children age six to excuse me, ninety percent of children age eight to sixteen have viewed pornography on the internet. Age of first exposures, average age of first exposure is eleven. Ninety mm. percent. Mm. A recent study showed that among high school seniors, sixty-two point three percent of girls and sixty point seven percent of boys had lost their virginity. Wow. Um. Four-fifths of both 12th grade girls, that's, uh, so let me, let me give you the percentage. 80, That'd be 80%. 83.3%. Okay. And 
82.6% of 12th grade boys have drunk alcohol at least once in their life. Hmm. So that's almost all. Well, it's four out, over four out of five have drunk alcohol in high school. Uh, 44.9%, 45% of all high school students, grades 9 through 12, had drunk alcohol at least once in the last 30 days. Almost one out of every two have drunk alcohol within the last 30 days. Within wow. the last 30 days, 22.4% of high schoolers had used marijuana, 21.9% had smoked cigarettes, 28.7% had been offered, given, or sold illegal drugs on school property within the last year. More than So more than one out of every four had been either offered, given, or sold illegal drugs on school property within the last year. Unbelievable. So we, we mentioned oh, those are scary, really frightening statistics, but we mentioned those only to say, Parents, you've got a job on your hands. That's right. And the first job you need to be working on is teaching your kids that they got to be different. Yeah. You, you see those statistics, and your kids are going to be weirdos. And, uh, and we've made this point before, but i just got to repeat it. You hear parents who say, I don't want my kids to be different. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I want my kids to be real different than that that we just read. Yeah. Uh, so we got to – we, as parents, have to be ready to let our kids be different. And we've got to teach our kids that it is the right thing to be different. James 4, verse 4, Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We need our kids to understand that from the very early age. Maybe maybe parents need to learn that lesson, too. Uh, and parent, maybe we need to start with the parents, that, that you're going to have to be different from the world, especially if you expect your kids to be different. Exactly. All right. In the chat room, Donna just piped in and said, that's why I homeschool. And that's why a lot of Christians are homeschooling their children now. And, man, you've got you've to agree that with all of that going on in public schools in particular, it's a frightening, scary situation. And, and I think it is a reasonable choice as parents. This goes to our first question. Parents are exercising stewardship. And, and they're making a choice concerning what they are stewards of, that is, their own children. In regards to keeping them home, homeschooling them rather than letting them be exposed to all that kind of thing in the public schools. Yeah, not to say that that's the only way. You can certainly be successful in a public school, but uh, whatever you do, even and, and, and here's the thing: just because you're homeschooling doesn't mean that your kids are going to be different. That's right. There's a lot of homeschool kids that are in those statistics that are part of that number of the fo- yeah. kids doing things yeah, they should so be doing. You, I think that's a good point. I think Donna would agree with it. I don't think she's she's not saying you can no, home, no, by, by homeschooling you can close your eyes and stop worrying nope. uh, because it's I mean it's not going away. The threats and the and the challenges of parenting are tremendous. Um, well, and you you look at those statistics. If you relay those statistics next to the statistics uh, about children who attend church services on a regular basis there's some overlap there yeah and because just because you may be homeschooling or just maybe because your kids are with other kids from church doesn't mean that they're not part of those statistics yeah you don't can't just assume you can't assume you've got to keep your eyes you got to have eyes in the back of your head you got to be you got to have your head on a swivel however you want to say it. you got to have you got to be eyes wide open 24 7 you okay. cannot let down your guard all right <clears throat> now this goes to this first question we asked jacob about parents viewing their job as stewardship uh, uh i think we should really understand that this is this is something entrusted our, our children something entrusted to us by god 
Uh, Jacob was returning in Genesis chapter 33. Jacob was returning. You know, he'd been sort of in exile. He'd been afraid that his brother Esau was going to kill him. And so he had been away for a number of years. While he was away, he married and had children. He was coming back to Canaan land. And as he was, as he lifted up his eyes, Genesis 33 verse 5, saw, uh, so uh, Esau saw Jacob coming. He lifted up his eyes, he saw the women and the children and said, Who are those with thee, Jacob? And Jacob said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Notice the expression there. These are the children that God has given to me. Absolutely. Uh, a famous text from Psalm is Psalms 127, beginning verse 3. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And so, again, the psalmist there is noting children are a blessing from God. So first, the first point we would make in regards to this stewardship idea is know that they are a gift and know who it is given from. Be grateful that God has blessed us with children and use the blessing that he's given to us carefully. So children are a gift. And they, but it, but they're sort of a gift giving given to us to take care of entrusted to us from God. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter eighteen verse four, behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also is the soul of the Son is mine. And so uh, that suggests this trust or stewardship, accountability relationship. Um, and and so we need to see that as we approach parenting. Now, you think about the parents of this world. I really don't, I mean, of course, lots of parents don't have God in their thought whatsoever, so they certainly wouldn't think about God giving them their children as a blessing. They wouldn't think about the fact that uh, they have an accountability or responsibility, a stewardship to oversee those that God has entrusted them with. Uh, but as as Christians, we, we really need to see it that way. Absolutely, uh, there and and this is not just a gift. Oh, it's nice to receive the gift. That God, when God gives gifts, He expects folks to be taking care of those gifts and using them as as they should. Well, you know, even even if earthly friends and family give us gifts, we we appreciate them. We don't just cast them aside. And you know, there's something special about the fact that someone cares to give you a gift. There's responsibility associated with that. Yeah. God, and God gives us uh, our abilities are illustrated as gifts. Yeah. And God expects us to use our abilities in certain ways. There's responsibility as a result of those gifts. Our, our possessions are uh, that God gives us. So they're, they're gifts, but there's still responsibilities associated with them and no different with our children. Exactly. Kent in uh, Georgia, Kent's been away from the virtual Bible study for a couple of weeks. We missed you, Kent. Glad you're back. He's very faithful to send us email responses to our updates. He said, stewardship deals with proper management. Biblical stewardship is an essential component of the totality of our lives as Christians. Those who have children have an accountability before God as to how their children are reared and he references Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in our in our study tonight. But parents, uh, fathers, bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 4. So uh, exactly right, Kent. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Time for our first break. And when we get back... 
want to talk about some of those responsibilities if if they are entrusted to us if they, we are uh, stewards of our children then there are some responsibilities associated with that from both a spiritual and a physical uh, aspect and we'll talk about that on the other side uh, don't go anywhere and stay where you are we'll be back right after this Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer, but we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Few there are who have courage enough to admit their faults or resolution enough to mend them. A man can't go anywhere while he's straddling a fence. Satan is a fisherman too. Deceit is his bait. Suckers get caught. Measure wealth not by the things you have, but by the things you have for which you would not take any amount of money. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about our children and uh, what we need to do as parents in regards to those children. All right, so our second question was to, to talk about our responsibility in regards to two realms. One is the physical care and provision for our children. Yes. Now, I don't think among probably... Any of the people who are listening to the virtual Bible study, uh, people who are faithfully trying to serve God, I, I don't. It's it's almost a, a no-brainer, a given. Uh, you don't even have to talk much about it. The Scripture does address it. First Timothy five verse eight: If any provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The context of that is talking about physical necessities of things, and so uh, it's certainly a biblical concept you're obligated care provide for your own and you know i i don't we just typically don't have to deal too much with that because uh, the, the the kind of people who are trying to serve god know that and they're going to be the kind of people who will carry that out i tell you what i think probably is the is the danger though is we emphasize that in our personal thinking so much so that we use it as an excuse to neglect the other area which is actually more important which is the spiritual upbringing of our children. Well, uh, I, I, I've, I've got to work. I've got to work lots of overtime. I've got to have lots of, I've got to, I've got to provide for my family, you know. We have to go on a Disney World vacation this year and, uh, you know, that's going to cost us several thousands of dollars. And, and, uh, you know, I want my kids to have, you know, the things that they want. And, and so, we're providing, we use the, the excuse that we're providing for physical necessities so much so that we let it encroach upon what is more important, and that is the spiritual training of our children. Uh, so maybe it gets down to priorities and focus um, that we maybe need to do a little self-evaluation on, make sure that we have our priorities in the right place. Yeah. And, and, I, and by the way, I'm not saying it's wrong to take a Disney World vacation okay. either. But I, but, but I do think that sometimes we get so wrapped up in providing for physical things. Though. We want our kids to have this and that and the next thing uh, that we maybe allow that to crowd out in our mind and in our children's mind. The thing that's more important is service to God. You know, I 
Uh, I think that's true. Uh, the, the the next dollar is always just right there at the end of your, your fingertips. You can all, you, I mean, when when do you stop? When do you say, hey, our family has enough, and we're spending too much time in the pursuit of the physical? Yeah. First Timothy chapter six verse eight, and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, we there's need not to, many of us that are content with that anymore. Maybe we need to reset our expectations. Yeah. What does it mean to to be to have what what we need. What what does it mean to have enough? Uh, and are we sacrificing precious time with our family so that we can pursue yeah. the, and the additional and stuff? The verse on that, again, is the one we mentioned a minute ago, Ephesians 6, verse 4. You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, so you have to bring them up. Now, the verse warns that you can go about that in a wrong way. You could provoke your children to wrath. And so you've got to be skilled. Your parenting skills are going to be challenged. But you need to develop a skill in bringing your children up to appreciate love and want to serve God. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. All right. So that's that's your main responsibility. Uh, and, and as you said a minute ago, Jacob, it may, it, it may be that parents need to readjust their priorities. Okay, be honest. Might as well be honest. Uh, am I focusing on the physical so much that I'm neglecting the spiritual? Is the spiritual, do, do I see and do my children realize that our emphasis first and foremost is serving God and, and everything about our physical existence it comes in a far distant second place to that. Well, that's the way it needs to be. Maybe we need to err on the side of caution there. Maybe we ought to just, you know, maybe we ought to just step back and say, you know what, I, 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 maybe we're getting too close to that line. Maybe we want to pull back even farther from that line than we are right now, just to be sure that we are putting enough focus on the spiritual. Yeah, and the stats that we referenced earlier certainly show that the family is under attack, and 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 we've got to be really careful. All right. All right. Uh, Kent in Georgia says, as observed in statement number two, parents have a divine obligation in two areas. Number one, physical care as set forth in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8 that you referenced. And number two, spiritual care as set forth in Ephesians 6, verse 1, 1 Timothy 5, 19 through 5, or 9 through 15, Titus 2, 1 through 8. The administration of both physical and spiritual care are incumbent upon parents. While perhaps many understand the importance of the provision of the physical necessities of life, Providing that of spiritual care is even more important. As parents, we need to consistently teach our children the scriptures and also demonstrate how to make a proper application of such truth to their own lives. Perhaps one of the most difficult areas of parenting is to consistently practice the truth in all areas of our own lives. Yeah. Thank you for that, Kent. I think you're right. I don't Kent. know. You got you and Kent get together during the day on Thursday and getting your answers to get. You, yeah. You guys are right. You'd think that we we are drawn from the same source there, which I think we are. All right, Kent. Uh. So, we're stewards. We have physical and spiritual responsibilities. Our kids are entrusted to us to care for them. It should go without saying, then, that we are accountable for how we manage this trust that God has given us. We ask, in judgment, how will God deal with parents concerning the job they have done raising their children? Oh, come on. Are you serious? You talking about accountability here? Do, do you think do you, if you took a survey, I wonder what the result would be if you took a survey and asked people, would it would it be possible that you could go to hell because of how you raised your children? 
I don't. I think most people of the world would just be shocked to even at the suggestion of that. You know, oh no, no, I can't. That's that's their business. I'm, I, uh, you know, that'll be up to them to do what they're going. I think the scriptures teach that God can and will hold us accountable for how we manage this trust that He has given to us concerning our children. The classic example. Let me give you a classic example: that of Eli. In First Samuel chapter two, verse twelve, the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. So they were bad guys. Eli, Eli was a judge over Israel. He was a leader uh, and a judge of the nation of Israel. Uh, he, he himself appeared to be a dedicated man, but he had not done well with his children. They were bad guys. His, uh, the sons of Belial is really a strong statement. They were very wicked men. Me, it, it literally means they were worthless men. Yeah. And worthless. They, and his they, boys were worthless. And they, that's what we would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they knew not the Lord. So how did they get that way? Well, the text gives us a little insight. Still in First Samuel 2, verse 22 Eli was old and heard that his sons did unto Israel, heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said to them, why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for no good, it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. So notice he, he objects, but he objects only verbally. He objects with his words, uh, I, I I don't like what you're doing. Uh, you know, sometimes sometimes you hear parents say that I I don't really approve of what my kids are doing, but that's that's up to them. That's their decision. That's sort of what Eli said. I don't really approve of what my kids are doing, but what can I do about it? Uh, and then it goes on. First Samuel two verse twenty seven. There came a man of God to Eli, Eli and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Wherefore kick wherefore kick ye my sack? at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honors thy sons above me. The important phrase there, this is First Samuel 2, verse 29, you honor your sons more than me. In other words, Eli was showing a disrespect for God in the fact that he allowed his sons to continue in this evil, and, and God said that his sons were apparently more important to him than serving God was to him. Yeah. Well, I wonder how many parents today would fall into that category. They're more concerned about their kids and their kid, what their kids have, what their kids do, the popularity of their kids, how their kids are viewed by others. They're, they honor their children above God. And then finally, in 1 Samuel 3, verse 12, the, the, this is the main statement I think that we all need to remember. First Samuel 3, beginning verse 12. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. The, the, the key expression right there is he restrained them. And so clearly God was going to punish Eli. He was going to judge and punish Eli because of the wickedness of his sons, and I suppose people would object, hey, wait a minute now. These these are grown children. They're grown men, uh, which was true. But they got there because Eli did not parent effectively. He, they made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And God was going to hold him accountable for that. 
So clearly God's God who knows everything perfectly knew that Eli had not done his job, that he had not faithfully f- carried out that stewardship responsibility they had over his children. God was angry at Eli. First Samuel 3 verse 11 says he was going to do something that when people heard about it, both their ears would tingle. He, uh, God was yeah. coming after Eli. Yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, well, well, Eli messed up. I wish he had done better. God was furious at that. Yeah. So our, our point with that is that there's clearly an accountability in regards to this responsibility that God has assigned to parents. It, that story of Eli isn't in there just by accident. That's there for us to learn from. And so if we have parent, if we have children as parents, if when we have children, know that they're entrusted to us. We have responsibilities in regards to that trust, and we will be judged like Eli was. We will be judged either for good or bad concerning the job that we've done. And it has to be the case then that just like Eli, there could be parents who will be lost eternally because they did not fulfill their responsibility of raising their children for God. All right. You talked about some kids, some parents who might love their kids more than God, or at least Eli appeared to be more dedicated to them than he was to God. Um, He honored his sons above God. You know anybody today doing that? I think I do. Uh, of course, I can't judge that totally. But you can't, I can't by judge, the actions. You that can't folks... judge hearts, but we can see some. We can see the fruit of some decisions that are made that certainly make you well, think. That you may think be about the case. parents who were very uh, firm on their understanding of the truth, and then their kids began to kick against that. And the parents began to waffle and waver and say, well, you know, maybe... maybe well, well, I, I have known, to, sadly, I have known parents who have rethought their position on things like drinking alcohol because their children got involved in drinking alcohol. Then the parents decided, well, I, I'm going to rethink my position. They had once been strong against it, and now they're not, they're not willing to take that stand anymore because... Or issues of sexual morality. Yeah. That parents begin to rethink that. Uh honoring their children above god and it's a problem it was a problem then it's a problem now and uh, certainly we've got to be aware of that that uh, god will hold people accountable for the way that they raise their kids yeah all right let's grab our break we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this accountability and judgment of god and and then we want to talk about um if children fall away does it necessarily mean that children and so here's a parent and he's got a child who's not serving the Lord at all, does it necessarily mean that the parent has failed his responsibility? 877-381-4567. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In Acts 16 we read, And on the Sabbath day we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. That's verses 13 through 15 in Acts 16. How did the Lord open her heart? Does he do the same thing to people today? Does this imply the necessity of a direct action of the Holy Spirit? Is it possible to know and obey the will of God without miraculous divine intervention in our lives? Look carefully at the immediate context. 
Notice that they spake unto the women, verse 13, and Lydia heard us, verse 14, and she attended to the things which were spoken of Paul, verse 14. It seems clear that the means by which Lydia's heart was opened was by the word of God. There's nothing mysterious here. Rather, it is a demonstration of the power of the gospel, Romans 1, verse 16, and an example of God's plan for, quote, preaching to save them that believe, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21. Whatever the Lord did and however the heart of Lydia was opened, it was the same thing that occurred in every other case of conversion in the book of Acts. Remember, God is no respecter of persons, Acts 10, verses 34 and 35. On Pentecost, they heard and were pricked in the heart, chapter 2, verse 37. On that day, many gladly received his word and were baptized, chapter 2, verse 41. Other examples abound in the book of Acts that directly link the teaching of the word with a heartfelt, obedient response. The Lord opens hearts today in exactly the same way he always has, through the preaching of the word. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We want you to come and worship with us. You find out more about our meeting place and our times of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And also find out about our upcoming series of uh, special services uh, starting in about a week from Sunday, or exactly a week from Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so find out about that and come and be a part of it. Dave, we're talking about parenting, and we're talking about the accountability that parents have before it's, God. It's it's silent as a tomb in the chat room tonight, we'd other than for, Donna. We'd so. love for you to ch- chime in and, and give us your it's thoughts. It's been silent behind the board tonight, but Kyle, you had a thought during well, Yeah, the break. what was your thought, Kyle? Uh, which uh, I think it's a, there's a principle, there's a spiritual principle, I think, in Leviticus uh, 19.14, where it's about uh, casting, a stone, casting a stone before the blind. I think it's... It's a spiritual principle we can actually apply to this scenario with the family or your child is spiritually blind. I think it's really, and if you are casting, you know, stumbling blocks before your child with these, the television, these things, I think it's, you can be able to count. So they're, they're, they're blind in the sense they're not old enough to know better. And then you're putting, you're, you're giving them the tools to, to self-destruct. It's cruel. In other words, Scott. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Lack of love. Good job. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, a couple of verses uh, in regards to this accountability. We know that there's a reward if we do well in child rearing. Proverbs 23, verse 24: The father of the righteous shall be gr- the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise son shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. And so there's there's the there's the joy the reward that comes from doing a good job of parenting, but on the other hand, do a bad job and there's real grief attached. Proverbs ten verse one: A wise son maketh a father glad, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. And so, again, even in this lifetime, we're going to realize either a blessing or a, a heaviness or a grief based upon how well we did our job. Back to our point about priorities, though. Yeah, you know, Johnny's he's turned out to be pretty worthless, but we had some good vacations. Boy, you remember that time we went down to the beach? Yeah. Boy, we lived it up. That was a great week we had. Eh, maybe not. Maybe we ought to rethink That's those not priorities. What you, you, you know, if you stop and think about it, 
that's not what you would remember. You, what you would remember would be the heartache of your ch- child not being faithful yeah. and living a bad life. You that weekend trip to the ball game in Atlanta that that weekend, which by the way you didn't even think about going to church because you were going to the ball game in Atlanta. That won't that won't even be on your radar screen. What you'll be dealing with is the heartache of a child who's not living for the Lord. Yeah. All right. So those priorities again, we've got to keep them in check and make sure they're in the right the right place. So now, with that in mind, and I really think that 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 statement to Eli, God was going to judge him because his sons made themselves vile. He restrained them not. He did not do his job. God held him accountable. Now, with that picture in mind. Let's ask the question. Uh, let's see. Did we skip something? I think we, we skipped maybe, number three. Ken. Ken's got number three there, Jacob. At the judgment, God will deal with parents regarding the job they have accomplished in child rearing according to the scriptures and the way that they have applied such or failed to apply such. Revelation 20, verse 12. There's an additional principle dealing with accountability that is addressed in 2 Corinthians eight twelve. While the context is not dealing with child rearing, it seems that the concept of accountability is an equal application in all areas of life. You want to cue that up there, Second yeah. Corinthians eight twelve. Uh, he says, such being the case, it would seem that the principle of ability would also apply in the responsibility of rearing children. We need to raise our children using the Bible as our only standard to the best of our abilities. Such would imply that par- as parents, we need to grow in our knowledge and application of the Word of God. Such will assist us in the spiritual development of our yeah. children. We're not perfect. He's basically saying we're not perfect, but we need to keep working at it and growing and yep. improving at it. Second uh, Corinthians eight twelve says, "For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that which he hath not." And so, in other words, God's not going to hold us accountable beyond our ability, but he expects us to work to the best of our ability. So we're not responsible for raising the children that we don't have, <laughs> but the children that we do have, yeah. Okay, now, so what about this question? If a child grows up and becomes such a one who does not serve God, not trying to live for God, does it always mean that, no, we said parents are going to be held accountable for their stewardship. Does that mean that the parent is going to be damned eternally, judged harshly by God, because in every case, because if the child's bad, it's the parent's fault? Well, since Kent's probably going to say the same thing you say, let's get Kent okay, first. Okay, Kent first. Kent says, not necessarily. We have the responsibility to teach our children the truth clearly, consistently, plainly, and uncompromisingly. Certainly, parents who do not accomplish such will be held accountable at the judgment if they do not repent and do not receive God's forgiveness of such. However, we need to remember that children are procreated to become accountable, responsible individuals exercising their own choice. Not only have some parents failed in properly teaching the Word of God to their children, other parents have faithfully taught their children the Word of God. In spite of the faithful teaching and practice of the parents, children, after obeying the gospel of Christ in various situations, after becoming adults and leaving home, become unfaithful to the Lord in spite of all the influence of faithful parents. In such circumstances, God will not hold such faithful parents responsible for the sins of their children any more than God would be responsible for the sins of some of his rebellious covenant children. Proverbs 22, verse 6, is a fundamental but general truth. However, there can be exceptions to such a rule when individuals who, having been taught God's truth of their own volition and freedom of choice, deliberately depart from truth in spite of truth of their parents have taught them. We note such demonstrated in the possibility of apostasy in the lives of any Christian. Okay. I think I agree with Kent completely on that. Uh, so... 
certainly we have to act. We're, we are, uh, uh, we are stewards. We're supposed to train them. We're supposed to give them the, the, the groundwork, the foundation upon which they can make good personal moral decisions. And we're accountable for that training and that upbringing. That's, that's our job. But we have to understand that every person is a free moral agent. When these children reach the age of accountability, they're going to be held accountable to God for the decisions they make. We're not making the decisions for them. They're accountable to God at the, when they reach that point. Now, we've got to bring them up to that point, and we've got to lay the foundations for them to make the right decisions. But they're ultimately going to be free moral agents before God to make a decision. Um, in Ezekiel 18, there's a description of a good man who does everything right. Ezekiel 18, verse 5. But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right, he hath walked in my statutes and kept my judgments to deal truly. He is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord. Then skip to verse 10. If he beget a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that doeth the like to any one of these things, he shall not live. He hath done these things, abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. So notice, it was a good man, but his son grew up evil. God judged them individually. He's a good man. Uh, he, uh, the good man who's done his best is going to live. The evil son who chose to do evil, he's going to die. Uh, that's, that's, God, that's how God's going to judge. So it, it's clearly not the case that in, in every instance if a child becomes bad, it's, a, it's an indictment of the parent. That is not biblically true. Ezekiel 18, verse 20 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wickedness, wicked, the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Uh, so, uh, that's the, it's individual, it's individual judgment. Now, and now, so, my son is going to be judged based upon his decisions before God. I'm going to be judged for my decisions before God. Part of my decisions that I might be held accountable and judged, uh, uh, condemned for is because I didn't do a good job child rearing. I chose to do other things rather than to rear my children faithfully. If that's the case, then I'll be judged for that. Yep. But I won't be judged because necessarily because my son got out here and made his own bad moral choices. Right. I'm going to be judged on whether I did my job, whether I fulfilled my responsibility. I have responsibility for God. That's what I'll be judged about. My son is a free moral agent. He will have judgment on his own for the decisions he's made. Now, I could handicap him in that by not raising him as I should. But ultimately, he will be accountable to God for his choices. So what you're saying is not a one-for-one correlation. Right. It's not one-for-one. Ezekiel 18, verse 20, again, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. So if it was one-to-one, the father would bear the iniquity of the son all the time. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to say he's not going to bear the iniquity of the son. Right. Now, but, But again, you go back to the general principle, that the fundamental principle is, uh, as Kent put it, Proverbs 22, verse 6. 
Okay, that's the, when, they, when we ask that question, we ask our listeners to comment specifically on Proverbs 22.6. Guest 360 in the chat room mentions that verse. Guest 360 had also mentioned Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, which is a verse we probably should definitely throw into this mix. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou settest in thy house, and when thou talk, walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So uh, we're to be talking about the scriptures and God's truths to our children throughout the day. Yeah. Also in verse 9, thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon the, the, thy gates. Uh, the, 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 the scriptures, they needed to be immersing their children in the scriptures and the truths about God and his will on a daily basis. Um, and and we, we certainly need to be doing that. Now, if I've done that and I've done the best that I possibly can, but my child grows up to be an evil person. You know, I, we've known parents who've really beat themselves up over that. You know, if my kid's bad, it's clearly because I failed. It could be, but it does, it's not necessarily so because of what we were saying. Every person becomes ultimately their own free moral agent. The verse that sometimes used is Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Notice, there's a way he should go. And I should train him up in that way. Well, that's what we've been talking about all night. There's a way he should go. I should train him up. If I do so, then there's a much higher probability that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, So this is a proverb, and I think Kent mentioned it in his answer. The proverbs are statements that are generally true. There are exceptions to them. And we could cite numerous examples in the book of Proverbs where it's a it's a statement of general truth, but not an absolute truth. There could be exceptions to it. Uh, the one I like to point out is the Proverbs says, he who finds a wife findeth a good thing. Well, usually that's true, but it's not always true. Yeah. Some guys who found a wife found a pretty bad Ooh, thing instead. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, and, and this is this is a generally true statement. If you If we do our job well, if we train up a child in the way he should go, the general rule will be that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, there could be an exception to that, but then the general rule is that he won't. But uh, but again, it's not a one-to-one, as you said, and there would be exceptions to the rule. So here's a parent who's done his very best job to train up a child in the way he should go. But then this child, as he got older, departed from the Lord. That 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 does not necessarily reflect on the parent. I don't think any parent wants to deal with that heartache. But it does not necessarily mean that the parent failed in his responsibility. Dwight in the chat room says, if a child has done wrong and a parent does not discipline them, we do ourselves and the child a great disservice. We as parents will be accountable. Proverbs teaches us this in many passages. Certainly uh, agree with that, Dwight. Thank you. Yeah. Um, We need to get a break. And when we get back, we've got a long way to go, a lot of miles to cover here. But I'd like that that passage that Guest 360 mentioned again in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Teach your children diligently the, the commandments of the Lord, and thou shalt talk of them when thou settest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. They were to be talking with their children about God's will and God's truths. I'm afraid families today, they're not talking about God's will. They're not even talking, period. And I think we all have been in public where we've seen everybody's on their phone, even maybe at the dinner table. Nobody's talking. We got to do a better job than that. We got to. That's got to be a priority. Is that we're going to talk to our children about God's will, yep. and it's going to be something that we talk about in the car. 
or as we're going about our daily activities. Yeah. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We're going to the top of the hour right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. What does your church have for my children? At the College View Church of Christ, we don't have pizza parties or putt-putt nights. We don't have softball or basketball. We do have the Bible. We do have the powerful sayings of the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We do have the love for your children's souls to never substitute the solid spiritual teaching they need with superficial secular activities. If this is what you want for your children, bring them to Bible class this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey found that 80% of those who attend church one or more times a month believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. Yet despite this conviction, 61% have not told another person about how to become a Christian in the previous six months. The survey also asked how many times the respondents had personally invited an unchurched person to attend a church service or some other program at the church. Nearly half, 48% of church attendees responded zero. 33% of people said they had personally invited someone one or two times, and 19% said they've done so on three or more occasions in the past six months. That information is via LifeWay Research. The Word of God says in Revelation 22, verse 17, The Spirit and Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program. We're going to go fast here as we look at uh, some parents in the Bible and see what lessons we can learn. Yeah, our final question to our update list was, can you name some parents that serve as examples, good examples of parenting and some that were bad parents? So uh, what did you come up with, Jacob? Well, uh, let's look at Kent's. Kent says, when I think of earmarks of good parents, I think of the Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. These individuals were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Luke 1, verse 6. I wonder how many members of the Lord's church today could have, have that stated about them. When I think about bad parents, I think about Eli in the Old Testament. Eli had certain things in which to command, commend him in his service to God. However, he failed in properly influencing and restraining his sons, First Samuel three eleven through fourteen. Again, I wonder how many Christians today fit that type of category as Eli. Thank you, Kent, for those good comments tonight. All right. So he mentions Zacharias and Elizabeth. Uh, I'm getting an email. I'm trying to get it up here. I got an email from Donna in Florida. She says concerning this question. I can't help but feel that Jesus' parents were a bit neglectful when they left Jerusalem after Passover festival, leaving 12-year-old Jesus behind in Luke 2.41. Yes, they went back later, but as parents, they should have made sure that he left for home when they left. Uh, um, she says she was not affected by the hurricane, thankfully. Well, thank you, Donna, for that. I'm um, glad that you're safe. Yeah, I, that seems really like a, an unusual situation to us that they left him behind. But my understanding of that was that Whole family clans would travel in, like in unison on those long trips from Galilee to Jerusalem for the feast days. Uh, and so by our t- 21st century kind of uh, approach, we, you know, we want, we want to keep our kids within eyeshot all the time because of all the child predators and everything that there are in the world. But from what I've read, it, it probably was not an exceptional, it considered to be an exceptionally unusual thing for the parents just to assume 
that Jesus would be in the traveling company of their family and friends as they headed back home. But I would I would uh, venture a guess that that was the last time they probably never they did, ever that did that. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't do that yeah. again. All right, all right. So so Kent gives us uh, the example of of, of Zacharias uh, and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, uh, good uh, as a good example. Um, I, I'm going to. I tell you who's going to be high on my list is um, Noah in Genesis chapter six. The whole world was evil. Well, you think we live in a bad, bad world, and we do. It's not as bad as it was in Noah's day, and and yet he, he was able to bring up his three sons in such a way that they were saved from the evil world that was around. Man, them. You're, t- you're talking about uh, being the different ones. Imagine Noah's boys at school. Yeah. Can you imagine the ridicule that they would have gotten from their kids? What in the world is your dad building in the backyard? You guys are crazy. You're some kind of religious freaks. But uh, Noah was successful in uh, in raising up his children. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got I got to put Abraham on my list of parents who did well. Abraham was not a perfect man, but he was a great man, and he was he, he was faithful in raising his son. In Genesis 18. Verse 17, uh, God was about to send judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment and the Lord that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of it. God said, I know Abraham is going to do a faithful job in raising his children. All right. Uh, that's an amazing uh, compliment. Can, what, can you imagine a greater compliment? That God said, I know that Abraham is going to raise his children as he should. I'm going to, I'm going to put on my list of good parents, Joshua. Joshua 24, verse 15. Uh, fam- a famous verse there, Joshua 24, verse 15. He said, uh, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Firm, committed, uncompromising. Joshua's got to be on that list of good Bible parents. Yeah. And then I'll tell you a a couple of women who deserve to be on that list. The mother and grandmother of Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 5, Paul says, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Uh, if you go back to First Timothy 3, verse, uh, no, excuse me, no, no, excuse me. Second Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 15, from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. That was his mother and his grandmother who was teaching him. So, Kent mentions Zacharias and Elizabeth. We've got Noah, Abraham, Joshua, Lois, and Eunice. There's some really good examples in the Bible. Uh, who's going to be on your bad list? Well, Kent on his mentioned Eli. We, we've got to have Eli. We already talked at length about Eli. Eli's ranks up there. Although it, it seems that he he himself was a... a a moral man and a servant of God, he failed in this important area. God was going to hold him accountable for sure. Uh, 
I got to put I got to put on my list of bad parents Lot, Abraham's nephew Lot. Remember, he chose he compromised his family's well-being. It's clear it's clear that he compromised his family's well-being to move to Sodom. He saw the well-watered plain of Jordan for material prosperity. He put his family in spiritual risk. We can't do that. I, I think there's way too many parents just following the pattern of Lot in that regard today. Uh, it's about the priorities again. Lot apparently had his priorities out of whack. He all he could see was more, more, more herd. You know, more, yeah. more pasture, yeah. green. He yeah. saw green. People yeah. are still seeing green today. Yeah, and that's all they're looking at. Yep. Right. So I got Lot on my bad list. Eli's on that list. Jacob has to be on the list of parents who didn't do real well. Yeah. Uh, he caused lots of harm to his family by showing favoritism toward his son Joseph. We'd have to put him on the list of didn't do too well. And then another good, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a Bible hero, but who failed in regards to parenting, David, King David. I'm going to put David on the list of parents who did not do so well uh, in, in specific regard to Absalom. You know, Absalom was a bad guy. And even when he was engaged in horrible deeds, David didn't want him punished, uh, wanted him to be spared, didn't want him to be, to, to, to bear the burden, the price of his iniquity. And I think parents do that sometimes. You know, they're just not willing to let their kids suffer the consequence of their wrong choices. All right. So I'd put David on there, at least in regards to Absalom, as a bad parent. All right. 877-381-4567. in the chat room cites some uh, Barna research about uh, Gen Z morality. Uh, 360 says 24% of Gen Z strongly agrees that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. One fifth, twenty-one percent believe sex before marriage is wrong. That means eighty, seventy-nine percent of now. Gen Z. Uh, if you can get, uh, I always lose track of these generations. Where's Generation G? Gen Z is, is uh, nine, born nineteen ninety-nine to two thousand fifteen. Okay, so that that would be kids who are late teens, early twenties. Uh, one fifth. Uh, only one fifth uh, strongly are strongly opposed to same sex activity. So um, there certainly is uh, a lot of immorality in the world today, and we've got to be aware of that. Yeah, exactly right. I uh, guess say something. I'm not uh, sure how his parenting skills were, but I would uh, think uh, Nebat was a pretty bad dad, possibly. I'm not sure how he raised Jeroboam, but. Uh, I'm not sure. I would, have to know, look, I would like to know uh, yeah. how he raised Jeroboam. So. He didn't. At least Jeroboam didn't turn out too good. Because how often does it mention? You know, all, yeah. after Jeroboam, Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. I mean, it's got to be mentioned 20 times at least. As uh, even after Jeroboam was long gone, yeah. centuries like know, later, he was still you know. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Yeah, that's a good one. I think yeah. it's that's something that I always thought about. It's like yeah, how you raise your child. Could be associated with you. So Nebat is still, even if he had passed away years ago, if maybe been a halfway decent father, he's still remembered for being the son of yeah, what's the father his of Jeroboam. What's his yeah, legacy? The father right? of he's, Jeroboam. Exactly. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And you think about that today, Kyle. You think about people that that stand out in your mind, and you you hold you sort of hold their parents, even though maybe you didn't even know them, yeah. you'd hold them in high esteem that they did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. Dwight mentions uh, listening to uh, acapella singing in the car with his children when they were at home, and he says, now we do it with our grandchildren. Well, uh, that's that's a new phase of life, isn't it, Dwight? But, you know, I think grandparents hold a responsibility also in this child-rearing business. Uh, we can certainly be an aid to the parents as they go about that challenging And an example task. to the grandchildren, yeah. as Dwight is trying to be there. Uh, well, it gets down to the priorities, uh, Dad, and um, we got to ask ourselves as parents, as grandparents, what are we doing that could be more important than raising godly children and grandchildren? And, you know, if you stop to think about it, I, I really believe if you ask parents, what are you doing that's more important than raising your children properly? They would all say, oh, nothing. That's That's the most important thing. But they're not following through. What are you decision. doing today? Yeah, they're not that following shows through that that's their a top decision priority. making. Yeah, yeah. All right. What are you going to do tomorrow that makes that the top priority in your life? Yeah, it's not going to happen by accident. Right. Kyle's excellent thoughts tonight. Anything else before we close? No, it was a good study. I think it's something we need to be mindful of always. Thanks for being here tonight. It's good to be here. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for joining us on the program tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.